Chapter 16. Orange. It's not every day a girl gets to wear a red beak. At a makeup school in downtown Manhattan, I was having my first one ever attached, courtesy of my friend Court. I met this beautiful creature at the emoticon shoot a year before. She was the makeup artist on set, and I was immediately taken by her kind spirit and genuine personality. So anyway, Court was taking classes at Makeup Forever Academy, and for her final class project, she needed a model she could temporarily turn into a phoenix using prosthetics and cosmetics. Enter me, the near-starving artist desperate for rent money. Makeup Forever can pay you $150 for your time, Court told me. Boom. Sold. The prosthetic was huge and clunky. Court was doing her best to fix the latex prosthetic over my nose with a spirit um, gum, a glue that can be used on skin. Can you hold still so I can get this on here right, she said. I could hardly speak, or for that matter, breathe, because the nose piece covers so much of my face. Mm-hmm. I managed to get out. This is going to be so fly, she said, so to speak. Just as she was gluing down the edges, my cell rang. Trying to keep my face as steady as possible for court, I pulled the phone from my pocket and answered it. Hello, I managed to mutter. I sounded muffled, like I'd been stuffed a ball of cotton candy in my mouth. Hey, Diane, this is Josh, I heard, and for whatever reason, he sounded out of breath. What's up? I said. I asked. I have some news from you. He said, do you remember your audition for the show called Orange is New Black? I froze. Orange who? I said. Court, who was throwing me the stink eye, motioned for me to get off the phone. Josh laughed. You know, he told me, it's that internet prison show you went out for. And you got it. You landed a recurring role for the character Maritza Ramos. I dropped the phone. Oh my god. I yelled, jumping up and down. The beak's right edge slid off and dangled over my mouth. A couple of the other makeup artists and models stared over at me like I was possessed. Court looked at me and smiled like a proud, proud mama. I got the part, I shrieked. I got the part. I picked up the cell phone and pressed it to my ear again. Josh, are you still there? I asked. Yep, I'm here, he said, chuckling. Are you kidding me? I asked. I'm not kidding at all, he told me. In fact, they want you to start filming in about four weeks. My head spun. So, like, how many episodes would I get? I asked, excitedly. We don't know that yet, he told me. Could be two, could be five, could be eight. But you're in. After a scream fest with court, I stuck around long enough for her to reattach my beak Roll or no roll, I decided that 150 bucks by week's end. But once I left the school, I cannot tell you how I even got home, because the whole way there, I was in the zombie zone. Is this actually happening? I kept thinking. Am I going to be on a show for longer than five seconds? The last time I had been so worked up was over the Kmart commercial. That was nothing compared to the thrill and shock of this. Me? For real? Some actors go years without ever landing a recurring role. I mean, look, they weren't committing to me the way they would a serious regular, but I didn't care. In my eyes, we had a little time to date and get to know each other before they fell in love with me. By the next morning, my euphoria had turned into trepidation. What had I gotten myself into? Who was in this? What was this whole web series about thing about anyway? The crazy thing is, I'd done zero research in preparation for the audition. That's how I am. I like to show up and just roll with things. Sometimes the strategy works for me because I'm open to whatever unfolds. Other times that has bitten me in the butt. Josh had mentioned something about Netflix, but at the time that didn't mean what it does now. 
I thought of Netflix as the place to order movies. And although some folks were turning into web content as their main source of entertainment, that wasn't yet widely known. And then when I heard web series, I figured that could involve anything from a few friends making a movie in a backyard to a smallish production. That's basically why I dismissed it. Until I didn't get a callback, at which point I felt like the biggest letdown of my acting career. Over the next couple of days, I went through the same stages that a lot of us actors go through. First, there's a zombie stage. Then, there's a super excited stage. Then, there's a scared as hell stage. What if I can't deliver a stage? Followed by the super diva, um, excuse me, do you know who I am? Guards, take him away. This stage. In short, I was a mess. But, at least I was a mess with the job. Josh gave me the scoop on the series. It had been created by Genji Kohan, the badass reader who also created Weeds on Showtime. The show, which is based on Piper Kerman's best-selling memoir by the same name, is set at a fictional minimum security women's penitentiary in Litchfield, an actual town in upstate New York, although the real-life town has no prison. The show revolves around the main character, Piper Chapman, an upper-middle-class upper New Yorker whose past comes back to haunt her and lands her at Litchfield alongside a um, uh, colorful crew of other inmates. Some of the scenes we filmed upstate in an abandoned children's mental ward, Josh told me. Most others, including episode two, which would be my first appearance, would be shot in the city. I still had no idea who any of the other cast members would be, but this was starting to sound like the big time. This was a series with a full budget and its very own set. One month and many sleeps later, sleepless nights later, I turned up at the iconic Kaufman Astoria Studios in Queens at 9am sharp. The building itself was enormous. As I roamed around looking for the orange set, I passed through a long hallway filled with signed photos of some of the greats who'd worked there. Frank Sinatra, George Burns, Lena Horne, Paul Robinson... Productions such as Goodfellas and Hair had been filmed in the studio. In one corner of the building, I noticed a set of Sesame Street, complete with Oscar the Grouch's trash can and the big Sesame Street sign. So cool. Just across from it was a set of Nurse Jackie. I finally spotted the double doors marked orange. Pure insanity. That's what I found inside. In this huge waiting area, throngs of actors, producers, and background artists milled around. I signed up with the associate director, or AD, and then I stood there and drooled like some dumbfounded schoolgirl. Real actors, those with films and TV shows I recognize and admire, were all over the place. Jason Biggs, American Pie, Natasha Leone, Slums of Beverly Hills, Laura Preppen, That 70 Shows, Taryn Manning, Crossroads. I was like, what is this thing? These were actors, and I was about to work on the same show with them. Eek! Good thing I didn't know in advance who'd been hired. If I had, I may have not shown up. That's how much of a nervous wreck I instantly became. On the set, women, all shapes, sizes, and colors, were all over the place. Some of the bigger stars were chatting with each other and hanging out with the producers, but most of the rest of us, the extras and the newbies, were standing around like geeks, checking each other out. I'm sure I wasn't the only one thinking, how will I ever measure up in this crowd? No one said much to me, nor did I speak. Whenever I'm in a new situation, I get shy, especially when the stakes are high, and especially when almost everyone in the room has been in some of my favorite TV shows and movies. After a few minutes of gawking, I found my way to a row of side chairs and took a seat. What's the protocol, and should I be mingling? From the looks of it, a few of the seasoned actors had already formed cliques, 
probably when they shot the pilot months before. This must be how it goes in showbiz, I thought. I had no idea what to say or do, which is why I'll always be grateful to the actor who broke the ice. My name's Uzo, said this vibrant black woman with kind eyes. She had such commanding presence, so regal. She smiled and extended her hand, which I shook. What's your name? she asked. I'm Diane, I said, fidgeting in the chair. Diane Guerrero. She sat in the seat across from me. Where are you from, Diane? she asked. Boston, originally, I told her. Her face lit up. Really? she said. I'm from there, too. I liked Uzo Aduba from that first conversation. She seemed so sure of herself, but also quite warm, which brought my blood pressure back down to normal. We traded stories about Boston, and after I gave her the digestible version of my story, she told me a little bit about her family. Her parents had come to the U.S. from Nigeria. My mom is so amazing, she said. She's like my biggest fan. She was always like, Zozo, you can do it. You have to keep going. And here I am. On Orange, Uzo had been taped to play Suzanne Warren, as in Crazy Eyes, as in the portrayal that would eventually earn her two Emmys and an SAG award. What's your character, she asked me. Maritza Ramos, I told her. Cool, she said, and just then the AD interrupted us to pull me aside. We're sending you into hair and makeup now, she told me. Just go back to the right and down the hall. I nodded, looked over my shoulder into small Uzo, and stepped off. My hair had never been longer, like down past the small of my back. The hairstylist brushed it silky and then pulled it to the side while the makeup artist started working her magic. Maritza and her Latina crew are supposed to have this ghetto glam look. Mission accomplished. By the time the team got done with me, I could have fit right on the streets of East LA. Very cholai. My liner was thick, dark brown lipstick, almost burgundy, was smeared all over my lips. Next stop, wardrobe. A seamstress handed me a fresh set of those khaki-colored two-piece scrubs. Put these on, she told me. Can I tell you a secret? I love my outfit on orange more than any other costume I've ever had to wear. It's simple, it's comfortable, it's basic, and no worrying about how my boobs or butt will look in a tight dress. It's almost exactly what everyone else was wearing. Though we all have different signature way we wear scrubs, we are stylish women after all. The fact that we had to wear the same clothing made me feel like I was part of something, a community. From day one for me, it wasn't about coming in trying to be the cute girl. I wanted to be a serious actor doing serious work, not the only one concerned about looks. Not the one only concerned about looks, I bet. When I emerged from the changing area, another AD met me. We're running behind today, she told me, but we'll come get you when your scene comes up. I nodded. Make yourself comfortable, she told me. It could be a while. She dropped me off in another waiting area, one filled with the crop of actors I hadn't seen earlier. The others' faces were new and fresh, like just like mine. Danielle Brooks, Samira Wiley, Emma Miles. Those three were sitting in a circle across the room, cracking up and eating lunch together, and clearly already bonded. I saw an empty chair in a far corner and shuffled towards it. A few minutes later, Danielle got my attention. Hey girl, she shouted across the room. What's your name? She wandered toward me. I'm Diane, I said shyly as when she got close. So why you all sitting why you why are you sitting over there all quiet? She asked she said with a grin. I dunno, I said. It's my just my first day. I don't even know if they're gonna use me. Do you think they'll cut me? Do you usually have to sit around for a while? She laughed. Wait, wait, wait. Slow down, girl, she said. They'll get to you. Don't worry. Just chill. Come hang with us until they do. I followed her back across the room, where she introduced me to her crew. Hey guys, this is Diane, she announced, and she's nervous she's going to be cut, but she's not going anywhere. Can we please show her some love? 
The girls snickered and applauded. A couple of them gave me high fives. Maybe this isn't so bad. So who are you playing? Emma asked me. I told her all about Maritza, but as I, as I spoke, I couldn't help but notice her horrible teeth. Yellow. Like they were rotting. Gross. I was like, damn, they are be using real people for this. Oh, I'm sorry, she cut it. I meant to tell you, these aren't my real teeth. I let out a chuckle. The kind I told her I had indeed been judging her dental situation. I play a meth head on the show, she said. They just smear crap on my teeth. I'm usually better, much better looking than this. Hilarious. One by one, over the next three hours, the actors were called in to shoot their scenes. A couple went off at 2 p.m., some uh, someone else around 4, a few others at 6 and 9. By midnight, only five others and I were still in the waiting room. Finally, at 2 a.m., my number came up. Come with me, said the AD. The others and I followed to her to the video village, the area on set where all the directors and producers congregate. When I rounded the corner, several senior producers looked me up and down. And then they got into a huddle and started whispering. Oh, Lord, I thought. They're definitely sending me home. After a minute, which felt more like 30, one of them came up to me. You look too pretty, she said. I raised my brows. Huh? I said. You're too made up for this role, she explained. This isn't going to work. We need Maritza to be way less glamorous. We're sending you back to hair and makeup. Off I went, and I returned without lipstick. The producers seemed to approve of the new look and escorted me to the set, one of the most basic I've ever seen. A cafeteria, a rec room, a kitchen, a cafeteria, and a commissionary, and a cell phone with bunks inside, which is where my first star turn took place. All the actors in my scene were already there, waiting for me to return for my cosmetic strip down. Hardly before I could gather my thoughts, the director called out, action. Long story short, I blew the first scene. In it, I got this little dust-up with a couple of Latino girls. Three of the actors in my scene, Elizabeth Rodriguez, Aliria, Dashka Polanco, Deonara, uh, Deonara, and Selinas Leva, Gloria, had to work together in episode one. They had a rhythm. I, however, had a tongue in my throat. I've been given three lines to memorize, and I flubbed every single one. Cut! The director kept yelling. How embarrassing. We tried it again, and again, and again. I still don't know if the director called it a night because he was satisfied, or because at 3.15am, he was too exhausted to continue. Then again, not everything's about you, Diane. Jeez. Given how awful that first scene went, I had to pry myself out of bed for the following day's filming. Each episode requires about nine days of shooting. Not until day three did I turn a corner and really start to relax. That had a lot to do with meeting Jackie Cruz, who plays Flocka, Marisa's best friend. We instantly hit off. She's so spunky, so fun, so approachable. Hey, do you want to have lunch, she asked me that first week. Sure, I said. That was the beginning of not just a work camaraderie, but a real friendship. I'll tell you more about that in a second. The cast was huge, and up to this point, I was meeting a new character every half hour. And as shy as I was, meeting Taylor Schilling, who plays Piper, was very cool. She seemed so dedicated. She was tall with a big smile and an infectious laugh that reminded me of my college roomie, Adrian. She mentioned she was from Boston, and that filled me with pride. Hell yes, three girls from the Bean on a show together in New York? Eat that, whatever town or city hates on Boston. My sole focus is playing the hell out of Maria. Who is she, really? I get to ask by a lot of fans and interviewers. What's her story? Here's the thing. On a show like Orange, the characters unfold for us actors nearly as slowly as they do for our viewers. The writers only give us a script for the following episode, not for the full season. 
So I'm, about, I'm still getting to know Maritza's myself. And this is what I can tell you about her. She's a spitfire. She's got a silly side. She always tries to make the most of her situation. And she's desperately seeking a family, some security. Sound familiar? And while she's smart, I don't think she cares about trying too hard. She's a girl who's had to use whatever's available to her, like many others in her situation. I can think of a few girls like that. I think you'll find that Maritza is a lot more than she seems. In season four and hopefully beyond, you'll see more of who Maritza is, as well as her baggage. I have fun all the time with the different possibilities for her life. In one scenario I played with, Maritza comes from a wealthy white suburban family who adopted her at birth. She has grown up grappling with identity issues. When her mom shows up at Litchfield to see her, like, to see her, she's like, Maritza, why are you talking like you're from the streets, dear? What would the gals in the country club say if they heard you speaking that way after all we've done for you? That storyline, among others, makes me laugh. We'll see how, the jibes with, how that jibes with what the writers create. The truth is that this show is so freaking good that there is no doubt that we'll continue to amaze and grab your attention with all the wonderful stories we bring to life. Real stories about real women. As Leah Delaria, aka Big Boo, would say, F yeah. When I think about the show entering its fourth, e- fourth season, things seem so different than they were in the beginning. My worries have changed. My heart is in a different place. I cannot believe how much I've grown throughout the whole experience. I feel like I belong to a family, like I'm part of something bigger. Since the first season, we as a show have broken so many barriers and brought light to so many important issues in need of attention. How many shows can you say have done that? Not only have we changed the way people watch television, we've bred a whole crew of activists. How wonderful to be such part of such a social and political awareness. Dope. We are fighting for women's rights, LGBT rights, social equality, prison reform, and now I hope my brothers and sisters join me in the fight, in my fight for immigration reform. Marisa's most memorable line so far is the one I auditioned with. And it's not the not just because I'm in the episode. Okay, yes, it's because I'm in it. Duh. That it became one of my favorites in the, of the first season. In all seriousness, it was after that episode that I began noticing that people were recognizing me. I started seeing internet memes of myself with Vote for Maritza if you want pizza as a caption underneath. I swear, people still randomly come up to me on the streets and yell at that line. I felt ridiculous when I said it. I even cringed when I watched it later. Which is why it's funny and ironic that it turned out to be one of Marisa's best moments. A lot of my scenes are with Jackie, who's about 80 inches taller than I am. Seriously, she stands 5 feet 9 to my 5 feet 2. The writers hadn't initially planned for our characters to be such close friends. But when they noticed how cool Jackie and I had become in real life, they went with that and altered our storylines. Or at least this is the story that Jackie and I have planned to tell our grandchildren. So whether I'm fuzzy on the details of how our characters became so close is of no importance. In episode 6 of season 2, our on-camera connection suddenly got hotter. When I read that week's script, it involved a Valentine's party, some hooch, aka prison moonshine, and a smooch between two besties. It was wicked awkward. I immediately started hyperventilate when I realized that Jackie and I would have to kiss. I'd never ever done a kissing scene, much less a girl-on-girl one. And since Jackie and I are such great buds off camera, it made me all the weirder. For the entire week, I practiced my kissing technique in the mirror. I put put my lips right up in the glass, closed my eyes, and peeked to see how it appeared. In a word, disturbing. I looked cross-eyed with the lips all poked out. I didn't even want to consider how it would look to other people. When you're kissing someone in real life, you don't pay attention to how you look. You're not supposed to. 
You're in the moment. Your face gets ugly. You might even slobber. Jackie and I didn't talk, talk to each other about any of this in advance. She probably felt just as strange about, about it as I did. So when we showed up for a set that day, we both were nervous. You ready for this? She asked. Ready as I'll ever be, I said giggling. It's one thing to simply peck someone on the lips. It's an entirely different matter to perform a makeup session. In the case of the latter, you get self-conscious. People are watching you, repositioning you, and talking you through it. Try to angle yourself to the left, Diane, the director instructed. By the end of it, I didn't care whether I was kissing my girlfriend or a hippopotamus. I just wanted the ordeal to be over with. And soon enough, it was. Flaka, and yes, it helped to keep reminding me that it was Flaka kissing Maritza, not Jackie kissing Diane, leaned in and planted one on me. Things got heavy, and then we both stopped and went, nah. Afterward, over lunch, Jackie and I had a laugh about the whole thing and got right back to being what we are to this day, platonic pals. Although now and again, she gets a little grabby and I have to splash cold water on her face to get her little paws off me. You totally want me, she'll joke. OMG, Jackie, get over yourself. I do not, I'll tell her. Then why are you blushing? Uh, because you're making me blush? We crack up at the fact that I'm so uncomfortable with people touching me and giving me long hugs. Leave it to your friends to point out your weird hang-ups and quirks. You're not touchy-feely, are you? She'll tease me. What, me? Right then, a slew of moments when I've gotten stiff in various social encounters will flash through my head. I'll be your rock and shoulder for you to cry on, but don't get too close to my body or I'll turn stiff as a board. Unless I'm drunk or after the train to seduce you. Yep, very primal over here. I'm still working on that. My mom says it's because I have trust issues, because of my trauma as a kid, blah, 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 blah. Even if we weren't on a hit show together, I'd hang with Jackie. I can be my goofy self around her. No judgments. In fact, she's just as silly. We do a lot of stuff together off set. We've gone to the ballet, we like to try different restaurants, and above else, we're black belt shoppers. After a day of filming, for instance, we'd always hit up the stores of Soho. From there, we might get our nails done, but not without a few hundred selfies courtesy of the Selfie Queen cruise. I protest, but I have to say that without her, I probably wouldn't have any accounts of my outings. With so much estrogen on the set of Orange, some might think there'd be constant bickering. In fact, it's empowering and full of free expression. An environment mostly run by women. For women. This is one of the reasons I appreciate Genji Kohan and the Orange producer so much. Not only has Genji changed my life, she has inspired me through her leadership. Working on a production like this has taught me that there's no limit to what I can do. I can be a strong woman. I know the sun's dated and that the women's liberation movement had already happened, but we still deal with societal pressures that tell us we're not as strong or as competent as men. Genji is a constant reminder that that's not the case. She's a fighter for women and has chosen Piper Kerman's story, along with the story of millions of other women in the prison systems, to show how powerful we really are. She's shining a light on the injustices we face. Piper also is a leading and inspirational voice for prison reform. We need more women like Genji and Piper. I hope to be one of them, who advocate for a better, more, and more just world in which we are all equal. I'd say the ladies of the cast of Orange are one of the best, some of the best I've ever met in my life. It's not uncommon to walk by a dressing room and hear laughter or singing or even crying. We're, re- we're real people and we bring out our true selves with us to the set. We're there for each other and not just like the, not just the cast, but the whole doggone crew. I've never seen a better run production. We're hardworking and happy. 
I feel respected and valued. Being there reminds me of the time at Boston Arts Academy. There's no filter on what you can say, and I know that my feelings are safe there. Even with all the love and warmth on the show, there have still been some tough days for me. For one thing, no one in the cast, including Jackie, knew what happened to my family. I kept that to myself because I was ashamed of it, and because I didn't want to think about it or discuss it. But how can you refuse to acknowledge something when your whole environment is one just big screaming reminder? With just about every script in almost every corner of the set, I was faced with the truth. This was my parents' life. My mother had sat in handcuffs. My father had once worn an orange jumpsuit like the dozens that had sat folded in our wardrobe department. For the other actors and me on our show, this was all fantasy. The recreation of a world we knew little about. For mommy and poppy, it could have not been more pain- real or painful. I tried to use experience to access my raw feelings and channel them to my portrayal, the way I had been taught to do as Susan Batson. Some days that worked beautifully. Other days, I'd end up upset or numb. I've had so many scenes in which Flocka and I are doing the dirty work, like cleaning the kitchen or mopping the floors, which is when I think of my parents the most. Long before they ended up in prison, they spent years handling the nastiest jobs, the ones often avoided by others. Manual labor, low pay, no respect. They must have felt so trapped. It must have been so hard for them to maintain their dignity when others looked down on them or worse, didn't see them at all. As he wrapped up shooting season one, the show's material suddenly hit even closer to home. My brother called me with some news about his daughter, my niece Erica. The two of us had long since fallen out of touch, and I'd always deeply regretted that. So when Eric told me that she had gotten caught up with the wrong crowd in high school and had ended up in jail, it broke my heart. A few years earlier, Gloria had apparently realized Erica was headed toward trouble, and she'd done all she could to steer her back on track. But with my brother away in Colombia, and with the struggles that go, go along with raising a child on one income in a tough neighborhood, Gloria's efforts weren't enough to save her beloved daughter from a difficult situation. I experienced many emotions when I heard about Erica. Guilt, that I hadn't somehow managed to stay connected with her. Anger, that she'd been forced to grow up without a nurturing, pres- nurturing presence of my parents and the guidance of her father. And sadness, that she stumbled into a hole she couldn't pr- pull herself out to. Of. Here I was, experiencing the happiest moment in my career, portraying a woman's life in a fictitious penitentiary, and my only niece, my own flesh and blood, was living through her lowest point while in an actual prison. That along with my parents had that along with all my parents had survived made my work on Orange bittersweet. Life can indeed imitate art, and at times it does so agonizingly well. During my second season of filming for Orange, I got a call from Josh. There's another show we want you to go in for, he told me. I went into the audition, and two weeks later, I got a call back and flew to Los Angeles to test for a role. The series, Jane the Virgin, a comedy drama to air on the CW. The story is about Jane, a virgin who is mistakenly artificially inseminated and becomes pregnant. The trip was my first time in California, and everything was so vast and big. This was a huge deal for me. I couldn't imagine starting over again in a new place, and I'd always told myself that if I ever went to LA, it would be if I were to call if I called there for work. LA was a different animal, and I wanted to be introduced to it formally. When I arrived, everything about the city made it different from New York, but I liked the change of pace, and it was beautiful. The nature, the sunsets, the green juice. I could totally do the whole bi-coastal thing just fine, I thought. Now all I have to do is book the job. 
On the day of the audition, I was bright-eyed and full of wonder and amazement. I was LA chillin' for show, bruh. My theme song even changed from Gypsy's Some People to 311's Amber. The same thing had happened when I f- first set foot on the CVS lot. My theme song music turned into the, the one from Jaws, Ominous and Grand. That was my first time in a Hollywood studio lot, and how scary it seemed. I'd never seen anything like it. I felt like a little mouse. This was Hollywood, baby. And why not me? On the afternoon of the audition, I tested and waited patiently to hear if I was going to leave LA with a job or just a great experience or both. By the time I landed in New York, I had bitten off all my nails. As soon as I got into the car, my phone rang. It was Jenny Ehrman, the show's creator. We'd like to offer you the role of Lena, Jane's best friend. What? I said. We think you'd be wonderful for that part, she explained. Really? I squeaked. Yes, really, she said. And just like that, in the space of 10 seconds, I doubled my number of recurring roles. No, it wasn't a principal character, but not too shabby for my first time in LA. I got a job and that was huge. More than ever, I was determined to keep working hard and allowing myself to dream big. Press play for ET theme music. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that I, this little mouse, would have been have a shot in this space. I was humbled and hungry. It's the only way I've learned to tread water in this business. We shot the pilot, and what a fantastic experience that was. It was great to be able to play a character so different from Marisa. I had all this great experience from Orange, and I use that knowledge to keep myself from being awkward on set. I still frequently have to pinch myself that I am on two awesome shows. I love portraying Lena. She's so cute and feisty. I also love it when young girls come up to me and comment on how they love Jane and Lena's friendship. Hashtag best friend goals. Lena loves Jane and they would do anything to protect her. She's a loyal friend and always down to do whatever. Not to mention, she's always trying to get Jane to lose her virginity. I mean, that's the ideal girlfriend, right? Come on, Jane, just do it already. Another great perk of the sweet new job was getting to know my dear friend, Gina Rodriguez. Most of my scenes are with Gina, and she's not just wonderful as an actor, but as a person. She's a ball of energy. She's smart and funny, and she really cares about the work. On many filming days, she'll gather up all the background actors, stand up on a little podium, and thank them for the work they do. We couldn't have done the scene without you, she has often said. I mean, we look pretty stupid at a club with no people in it. Thank you for being here. Wow, what a gal. We can all learn a thing from or two from her, you know. It's hard not to like and feel connected to someone who's so generous and open. And of course, it's good when you get along with the folks at work. Justin Belladoni, Jamie Camille, Yvonne Cole, Britt Dare, Yale Grobless, Andrea Navedo, and the rest of the crew make work easier. I couldn't have asked for better. Another thing that makes this show so special is that it's telling, for the most part, the story of a Latino family. Jane and her family are from Venezuela. The series reflects a lot of what it is what is beautiful about my culture and what's like to grow up in America. It shows a family that is connected to its roots, but also grounded connected to the American values and way of life. It shines a light on a huge generation of families that is rarely portrayed on television. This is huge. And the fact that the show has done so well just proves how high the demand is for this kind of content, as well as shows how large and important our community really is in the United States. Our stories are interwoven in the fabric of this country, and it's about time we accept it as part of our norm. I can't think of a better way to celebrate who I am and where I come from. Thanks, Jenny. 
After Jane got fully underway, I took a weekend took off a weekend to hang with my girls in Atlantic City and celebrate our friend's birthday. We stayed at the Golden Nugget Hotel and Casino, and around, at around 10 p.m., we headed down to the hotel's dance nightclub, Haven. I had no expectations of any sort, other than to get some white girl wasted with my besties. My best. I was on the dance floor doing this hottest shoulder moves when out of nowhere, this guy comes up to me, handsome, clean-cut, beautiful chiseled face, and impeccably dressed. It was as if God had drawn his face using one of his finest pencils. And he smelled like heaven. My goodness, what a delicious scent. Who are you, I thought. When it comes to two people meeting, the following events will sound cliched. Like a scene right out of your favorite romantic comedy. It was like he and I were the only ones there. No distractions, no noise, just sparkling glitter. Hi there, I noticed from noticed you from the room and I want to introduce myself. My name is Hav. O-H. H O-H, H to the O-V. Just kidding. What he actually said was, my name is Jay, and I think you're very beautiful. Hello, I said, pretending I didn't have time for smooth talk. The night is for my girls, not for you. As pretty as you are, and oh god, sigh, as good as you smell, go on your way and impress some girl looking for love tonight, because I am not the one. Can I get you a drink, he continued. No, that's alright, I have a drink already, but thank you for asking, and like that i shut down the possibility of us getting to know each other okay if you change your mind my table's over there he said his ego didn't seem hurt in the slightest huh i thought he was cute then i shook it off and kept moving minutes later and still sort of the sort of fuzzy from the encounter i just had i rejoined my friends and for some reason i couldn't stop smiling could it be possible that that guy this guy had charmed the hell out of me no i made call i made the calls around here it was probably just the three whiskey neats I'd had taken to the face, I was sure. I tried my best not to be affected by the situation, but alas, I made my way over to his side. I'll take a Jameson neat, I told him, and I never looked back. And he also had no idea what he was in store for. I loved being around Jay. He was so debonair, and with, but with an edge. He, his accent was so authentic New York. Think Goodfellas. He was real deal with the kind of swagger some people would kill for. This was all his. He was and is an original. After that evening, I came to appreciate far more than Jay's accent. I had never felt more supported, more seen, and more heard by one person. He's responsible and hardworking, and he's curious about the world. He's what I call fancy, meaning he usually knows the better bottle of wine to purchase or the best place to go. There's no snobbery in his game, and I like that about him. The truth is, if I had connected with Jay only a few years old, earlier, we'd probably wouldn't have not become close. In those days, I was the girl who longed for someone, anyone, to fix my life, to do for me what I could only do for myself. But by the time I met Jay, a space had been cleared in my heart. I'd found Lorraine, and at last confronted the ugly, gut-wrenching experiences in my rearview mirror. I'd flown all the way to Madrid to rekindle one of the most important relationships I'll ever have. The day you finally start dealing with your past is the day you stop dragging it into the present. I'm still dealing. I'm still facing the hard stuff. I'm still getting better and growing up. And I will always appreciate Jay for getting me back on the right road. I am blown away by the orange by Orange's success. I mean, come on, it's the it's Netflix's most watched series. Critical acclaim has poured in from every corner of the planet. Viewers send the cast hundreds of letters every month. In its first season alone, 
the show received 12 Emmy nominations. And hello, we won that 2015 SAG award for outstanding performance by an ensemble in a comedy series. What more could a girl ask for? A mani pen, for starters. Because let me assure you that when the award show rolled around, I took the great pleasure in getting dolled up. The prep process is the ultimate good time, particularly for a girly girl like me. First, you gotta choose a dress. I picked out the stunningly bright red Jill Stewart number. Then you gotta get your accessories together. I chose this beautiful, delicate diamond earrings with a blue detail, as well as thin diamond bangles. Then you gotta pick out your shoes. I always try to be as comfortable as possible, but I can't help that the shoes I'm most attracted to are the most painful ones. It's okay, beauty is pain, right? And oh, and that red carpet, my goodness. The affair itself is as glamorous as it appears on television. And I should know, since I just, I've just i tuned in to just about every SAG, Emmy, Golden Globe, and Oscar show that has ever aired. Sashaying down the crimson red carpet as at the SAG Awards is both exhilarating and overwhelming. Reporters are sticking microphones in your face. Bright lights and cameras are flashing all over the place. Major celebs are strutting and posing. Just ahead of me on the walkway were Emma Stowe and Meryl Streep. Some of my ca- castmates later met Meryl, personally, af- at an after-party. I said hello to Kira Knightley, but other than that, I kept my lips zipped. I'm notoriously nervous about going up to other actors to introduce myself, because I'm worried that after the initial hello, I'll have nothing more to say. I did muster the courage to walk up to a certain big actor I won't name, and, well, let's say she wasn't very receptive. She gave me this look like, who are you and why would I care? Haha, <laughs> those encounters always make me laugh and remind me to never be like that. The highlight of the evening is, of course, the show itself. I don't know how many actors claim it's just a thrill to be nominated. Everyone wants to win. If we didn't, we wouldn't spend dozens of hours and way too much money trying to look as if we just stepped effortlessly from the pages of Vogue. And when you take your seat at one of the, big t- at the, one of the tables, it's not like you're thinking, gee, I know I'm up for this big award, but I hope someone else got it, gets it this year. Nope. I, for one, sat there holding my breath when the magic sentence was uttered. And the SAG goes to... It's hard to adequately describe the moment when Orange was announced as the winner. Surreal is the word that comes to mind. I had this mini flashback to the moment when, as a senior at Boston Arts, the crowd applauded at the end of my final recital. There's this incredible energy in the air, this tingling in your body. This feeling that makes you want to stand up and shout, yes! Both of my parents had been lapping up every minute of this wild ride. A day after the SAGs, mommy called me, we've been talking more since my visit, and yelled, I'm so happy for you. She'd seen the broadcast. Poppy and my other family in Colombia sent me texts and WhatsApp messages, congratulating me on the win and mentioning every magazine they'd seen me in. Mommy and Poppy were placing paying close attention to every detail, and seldom missed an episode of Orange. Did the show's um, spicy content turn their faces red? Maybe a little, but my parents are pretty open when it comes to artistic, artistic expression. My parents have always been very open with me and very candid in their storytelling, and exposed me to other people's lifestyles, including those of their friends. As a kid, my mother took me every year to the New York City Pride Parade. It was my favorite parade. Everyone was so gay and queer. We loved it. As I got older, I was self-conscious about my mom's behavior, and that's why I would sometimes be like, Mommy, stop being so loud. White people aren't loud. The hilarious thing is, 
I had no idea what white people did or didn't do, or for that matter, how anyone lived behind closed doors. And Lord knows, loud folks come in all colors. But in the world I was raised in, amid the countless media images I took in as a girl, I got this crazy notion that being white and well-heeled and educated made one inherently superior. Sadly, I thought that being brown and broke, as well as hiding from authorities for most of my childhood, somehow made me less valuable in the eyes of others and, at moments, in my own eyes. I was dead wrong. I felt fortunate to be part of the series like Orange. It's entertaining, yes, but I like to believe that its value goes beyond that. The stories are so real. Many viewers write to me and say, my sister is in jail, or they seen they spent time in a penit- penit- penitentiary themselves. The U.S. has the largest prison population of any developed country, with more than 2 million adults behind bars. There are more jails in this country than there are colleges. It's a privilege to be able to shine a light on the world that many people in our country seldom ever think about. It's also important for Latino viewers to see actors who look like them. I'm proud of the fact that both Jane the Virgin and Orange have cast that include brown girls. Not long ago, Jackie Cruz and I were wrapping up on a day on set, and a Honduran woman approached us outside our set. Her daughter, a 15-year-old shy girl with a mouthful of braces, stood at her side. Would you mind if my daughter took a photo with you, she asked. No problem, Jackie told her. After we posed with the girls between us, she cupped her hands over her face and started to cry. What's wrong, I asked. I'm sorry, her mother cut in. She's just nervous. You're such an inspiration to her. We are so proud of you girls. Jackie and I looked at each other. Like, us? An inspiration? It was another reminder that as an actor, I have a very powerful platform. Whether or not I realize it, I'm influencing people I've never even met. And that means I can't just do or say whatever I want. I have the responsibility to use my stage well. I hope Orange and Jane the Virgin are only the beginning for me. I plan to keep pushing myself. I want to take on roles that stretch me. I want to produce and create my own content and develop opportunities for others who are just as passionate about this work. Some people shy away from boldly claiming what they most wish for. Mostly, maybe they'll fear it'll make them look pushy or greedy or ungrateful for what they have. But when you keep your dreams hidden away, when you hide them under a sofa cushion, they never get the light they need to grow. I'm all about that growth, which is what keeps me swinging every day. I literally cannot wait to see what's around the corner. Imagine all I would have missed if, on a rooftop in Boston on a snowy December night, I'd thrown everything away.